Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, I'm back again, y'all. I hope you've been faithfully praying for Pastor. It has been a battle with this cough, which I am just declaring, get up out of here. We don't have any time for this trash. Health and wholeness to you, sir. We love you. We're praying for you. He's right there in the front row if you didn't see him. Oh, man. Well, we're going to get into part three of this series Pastor started, um, Know the Times. Um, last week, you know, remember we got into uh, the whole subject in Romans 1 of, of where we end up and where we, where we, we lean and where we are, are, are kind of trapped when we don't retain and honor for God's authority and the truth of who he is and his his sovereign leadership over our, our, our lives, we end up with a whole bunch of stuff, which is real ugly. We end up with a whole bunch of garbage in our lives, also known as sin. And I, I gave you this, this little acronym to use or this alliteration, departure from divine design disrupts destiny. Departure from divine design disrupts destiny. So I want you to keep that as a thought this week as now we jump into this again, a little bit deeper into the pool. And um, I'll give an honest, straight-up disclaimer. I'm going to get a little intense on some subjects today. So if you got little ones still here, not in preschool, and you don't want to have a conversation <laughs> at home about some things, you may want to drop them in that preschool class real quick. But I give a fair warning that we're going to be straight up today. And everybody said, amen. amen. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to jump into this a little bit more. And what we're going to talk about is... The principle, as we look more into Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, is, is I want you to be in a posture, and I want to encourage you, if I could today, to be in a posture of saying, I want to know the source of things, okay? Now, we want to know the source of all things, which is God, but then when things come into our lives, things that we're faced with in culture, I would like to know where that came from. What's the worldview that gave birth to that thing that I'm supposed to accept? What's the thought process? What's the spiritual principle? Or what's the lie that's behind that thing which I'm being called to accept just in culture? Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, just take it. It's fine. Don't ask about where it came from. Mm, No, exactly. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Know where it came from and then what the motivation was because what we're supposed to have is a foundational understanding and truth and reality of God at the floor of it all. Okay? Of Jesus as Lord of all. That will then inform everything else we do. We will have right affections because of the fact that he is Lord of all. Amen? Amen. Amen. So come on, let's get back into this chapter. Verses 18 through 25 of Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Key phrase, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they're without excuse. Tell somebody we're without excuse. Let that marinate for a second there. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man 
and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Remember. Remember, remember the framework for everything that God's word says to us about how we live and how we love God and our neighbor is under God's authority and his standards. We don't get to reassess it, readjust it, move it this way or that way. When we begin there, we actually know where we should go. Amen? Amen? How many of y'all are GPS people? Throw a hand up. You GPS people. Put that direction in and get there. How many of y'all are, I know where it is and I can get there without the GPS? As a, the old school, old school, right? Old school. My dad, when we first moved to, to the States, my dad, we were in Florida. We, we lived in Miami. And so my dad had a map of the state and he like memorized. I'd be like, dad, how do you know where everything is? He literally studied it. My dad's an engineer. So he literally studied this map and like knew where everything was. And he would just, we would just drive around just to drive around sometimes because he was like, yeah, and I know where stuff is. Let's go. Um, but the truth is, in either of those cases, whichever one of those you land as, and if you're one of those people who just starts driving and you don't know where north or east, any of those people? You want to be not ashamed to admit it? When he's like, okay, that's me. Where's north? Straight. <laughs> Where's east? Straight. <laughs> South straight to and so west. <laughs> right? Whichever one of those, the truth of the matter is we need proper direction. If we don't have proper direction, we're not going to end up in the place that we're supposed to. And the ride will not be as good as it's supposed to either. Again, remember, like Matthew 7 says, what is building on the rock, on the firm foundation? It is hearing and obeying God's word. All right? Amen? Hearing and obeying his word is what really predicates that. So... When we started last week in this chapter and got into this thing of all these different areas, I said, you know what, let's bring this down. That chapter can be overwhelming. When you get in, we didn't read the section on all the different sins, right, that show up. Why? Because we reject God. That's why this stuff shows up. Sometimes people have questions about suffering and why there's all this evil and stuff in the world. I have a simple answer for you. Because we reject God. If I will submit to what he has in his order and his design, it solves a whole bunch of problems. You know what's not an option when I submit to God? Hating Daniel because he's white. It's not an option. I mean, how can you hate Daniel anyway? To know him is to love him. Come on. Meet him after church. Buy him a cup of coffee if you want. Whatever. I mean, to know the man is to love him. But hating him because he's white or him hating me because I'm black, also known as black and these, half Chinese, half black. Um, it's not an option when I love the Lord. Abusing a child, sex trafficking, drug abuse, these things don't become options when we've submitted to the Lord. So I wanted to kind of bring these things that we're dealing with culturally into a few different baskets. And so hang with me. It's going to feel heavy at some points because I'm going to give you some information about where some of the source of these things, which affirms this point of where we get our beginning point, determines the ending point. Okay? And so let's get into this. Each one, don't worry, as we get into each basket of these ugly sins, we're going to give you some biblical statements and biblical solutions you can stand on. And let me tell you what right now. I'm giving you probably about nine or ten scriptures out of these. That's only the scratching the surface. I want you to go and dig in. 
to what does the word say for every area of life. So you get the proper guidance. So you got the God GPS giving you the direction as to where you should go. Amen? 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 Come on. Come on. Y'all a little quiet in here this morning. Let's go. I need some responses. Okay? So what are some of these ideologies and these sins that we're dealing with? One of the, let me start right off at the top here in good old of the USA. Greed and lust for things. That's a big one. Greed and lust for things. So let's, look at, let's dig down another layer. How did we get to a point where we had the practical levers to accomplish that? Something that most of you don't know about, probably, unless you're a, a, a history or an economics person, or you were a social studies teacher like I was, and a history major, fractional reserve banking and much of our credit system. People are like, oh my God, I was in church. I didn't know we were going to economics class. Yeah, this was the lever. This was the tool that was used to force us in some of this direction of this radical materialism, I would call it. A guy behind this is a guy by the name of John Maynard Keynes. Keynesian economics. Anybody ever like, oh God, he's going further into economics. Keynesian economics from John Maynard Keynes. This guy pushed this idea of fractional reserve banking in which the bank only had to hold a certain amount of what it was loaning out. Well, yeah, I said that. The bank don't have all your money. <laughs> We're like, okay, that's economics. But let me dig down one layer. John Maynard's Kane, Maynard Keynes' philosophy and perspective was an atheist one in which he believed that all of these things and these constraints we had from biblical or Christian or traditional living were to be put off. Actually, John Maynard Keynes, his thought process was if we were fully liberated to do what we wanted, and in his case in particularly, sexually, we'd be more free. So y'all didn't know that when you were talking about Visa and MasterCard. Come on. Y'all didn't know that when you went to get a home loan. The fractional reserve banking system was actually built as we know it today by a guy who wanted you to cast off restraints. Oh, origins. So his perspective was one that led him to say, man, I can get these people to be like me and, and, and more of my philosophy of radical materialism, which means I lust for things. What does your Bible say? And mine too, because we read the same one. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And see, what we're dealing with today is Satan does not want you to know about stuff that's coming at you. He just wants you to accept it. Okay? It was a little gross last time I was, a couple months ago, I was preaching, talking about if you've got this large pan of brownies that just looks so chocolatey and delicious, and you're like, yeah, let's murder that man, get some ice cream, get the Tillamook stuff, it's BOGO right now at Publix. That's really creamy, it's creamy. I love ice cream. It's creamy. I'm getting some when I leave here. We're getting two tubs of it today. Because it's bogo. What if I told you after you enjoyed that chocolatey brownie, I stirred in one teaspoon of fresh dog poop from my neighborhood? Nasty, right? Nasty. But why would I do that except that I wanted to harm you? But I don't want you to know what it's all about. Hello? I don't need you to know or understand the philosophies and the theories of my desires, your harm. I just want you to eat. Don't you want some more of that? I, don't care. I actually don't want you to know or question. I just want you to accept. And so that basket of all this greed and lust for things that God doesn't have for us, we are being fed 
on a day-to-day basis through ads, through social media, through FOMO. Wow. Man, look at that vacation. I just went over here to Stark. (laughs) They out there in Europe doing it. Look at his car. That car is, uh, his car is, he has a sexy ride. My ride's like, it gets stale. Lost four things again and again. And the origin point was for us to get our eyes off of what we should be looking at. What does the Bible say? Let's look at biblical responses. I'm just giving you a few on each of these. First one, Matthew 6.33, y'all know it. Seek first God's kingdom and we'll have everything we need. That's the principle. If you're seeking God's kingdom, you'll have everything you need. Look at your neighbor say, need. Not particularly want. Okay. That's what we got to learn in America sometimes, man. We like wants a whole lot. But the Lord said he'd supply everything we had need of. Okay? You don't need that car that costs six figures. You would like it. So would I. (laughs) But you don't need. And so if you don't get it, don't be envious and jealous. That leads us down a whole nother path. Luke 12, 15 It's not, life is not about the abundance of possessions. There's much more going on in life. Let me tell you what, I sat down for breakfast with my kids and my wife yesterday, and I was like, man, these pancakes and this bacon is delicious, but the fellowship with my family and then going into the word and prayer together, you're not writing me a check for that. I mean, if you want to give me one extra, fine, I'll take it. But I'm not selling that. Because that's high value. It's priceless to me. And you see, we got to get through this perspective where we think these things are going to define us and complete us. Come on now. Philippians 4.19 says it this way. God will supply all of your needs. According to what? His riches and glory. That's what I want is his riches and glory. I don't want to get it my way, do my thing, because that will lead me off track from what I'm called to do. What's the second basket, okay? So that's the first basket of of some of these issues we're dealing with in culture. What's the second basket? This This is another big one. Ethnic hatred, partiality, and envy against one another. Ethnic hatred, partiality, and envy against one another. What do these look like? What do these come from? What are these origins? One of the big ones is the fact that we got racism forced on us. Let me give you something. Races were only defined, and I won't even say scientifically, philosophically, Somewhere in the 1700s. So what we have now is something someone created as a construct to divide us up as people. Got you hating your brother for something they made up in the 1700s. Come on, let's just get real now, man. Got you hating each other for stuff they made up a few hundred years ago. Really? Yeah, really. Because people don't want you to know where things came from. That this is a lie that we're being forced into, that then we turn away from what God's order and design is, and the enemy is back behind the scenes laughing all the way to the bank because he doesn't care that you know and understand. He just wants you to, what did I say last week? He just wants you to cuss God and sin. And what does that lead to? Death. That's all he cares about. 
don't care that you're well-educated on the subject. Oh, here's a few books before you decide if you want to curse God and follow me. No, just do it. That's what the enemy is about. What are some other things behind this? Marxism, the entire thought process of Marxism. Why? If you're still struggling with it, just be done with it. Marxism has come to us from Karl Marx, who was an atheist philosopher, okay? An atheist philosopher. What does that mean? There is no God. I am beginning my thought process on there is no God, and I can get this stuff done without him. We don't need him at all. That's the thought process, which is why we can't buy into any of those philosophies. So what does that give us? That's what's given us socialism and communism. And again, this is not about some, I already told you all last week, you can't throw, throw stones at me. I'm not even registered for a political party. Amen, hallelujah. So I can speak clearly to this thing. The reason for it is because they want you to start at a place where there is no God and he has no authority. And if I can get you to that place, anything else is acceptable. That's why we've seen the horrible atrocities we've seen for decades in socialist and communist countries. And I make no apologies for that. Anybody who thinks that's a good idea, it's a bad idea. It begins with saying there is no God. So who becomes God? Me, the one who made up the theory. And man makes a horrible God. Actually, he sucks at it if I can be factual and actual today. Come on now. What else we got going on in this category? Charles Darwin. Again, what was Charles Darwin's perspective? He writes on the origin of species. Why? Because he's dealing with, and he says it in the title, he wants you to go back to origins and say that God doesn't exist. This just all came about by chance. And guess what if this all came about by chance? What can I determine? We talked about it last week. I can have a perspective in which truth is very relative and I can make it what I want it to be. And if I can make truth whatever I want it to be, then God's word is irrelevant and I, anything that you want to call sin don't have to be sin. And guess what else happens? This is where we have to think. We get further down the road. Who becomes absolutely unnecessary if there is no sin? Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So again, this ain't about us digging, oh, sin, sin. Don't, don't talk so much about sin. Jesus is like the ultimate life coach. Yeah, that's cool and all if that's your perspective. But if you do away with sin, trust me, Jesus becomes unnecessary. You think the eternal son of God folded himself into time, became a baby, the eternal one with authority from the foundations of the world because he wanted to like pat you on the back and say, good job at your game? He came to deal a death blow to sin, which is what separated us from God. Come on, victoriously. And so when you're fed an ideology which says, no, 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 that's not sin, that's not sin, this is okay, that's okay, everything's fine. If everything's fine, we've got to make up another reason for Jesus. Because why he came was not to give you a thumbs up or fist bump you. He will. And thank God that's a part of the benefit package, okay? Amen, hallelujah. But why he came was to deal a death blow to sin so that we would no longer be separated from our Father. Can I hear an amen? So all of these theories that rest on this idea of Marxism are godless, which is why it's always a fight. I'm going to fight against you. My group's better than yours. 
I hate you, and, 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 and your people did this to me, and so now we got to do this back to you, and, and this and that. Listen to me. I have a solution. No one's going to hire me. I'm just telling you. No one's going to hire me for their corporation to come do their DEI. Uh, Brian's, Brian's like, no, nah, they ain't hired you. <laughs> Brian works in corporate America. But I, I got a solution super easy. We go back to the beginning. What's the biblical solution? Number one, Genesis 1, 27 says what? That we are all created in God's image. Look around the room. There's shades all around this room, man. We got dark all the way down to the vanilla. We got dark chocolate. We got caramel. <laughs> got some milk chocolate too. All God's beautiful creations. Come on. In his image. That's why. Not because somebody gave you a book and you got to feel bad or you got to feel good because of their book. Get to the book which says you're created in God's image. And because you've received Jesus Christ, you are a son or a daughter of God called according to his purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. That's word right there. You don't need this stuff. Come on, people. We don't need any of that because we go way past that back to the proper origin. Amen. I'll amen myself today if you're not going to amen me. Acts verse 17, 26. Listen to this. God determined which ethnic group we would be a part of. God determined. That scripture says that from one man God made every nation. You know what the Greek word there is? It's ethnos. That's the Greek word. What does that mean? It's basically the nations, the human family. It's where we get our word ethnicity. If you want to get biblical, that's what we're talking about. I don't get too hung up on race because the biblical concept is ethnicity, which means we are a part of God's human family, which he has created. Amen. Hallelujah. Kick in the face to everybody who wants to be ethnically hateful or racist. Get up out of here. No, get out of here with that. Or repent that's the options I'd love for you to repent I want you to understand that we are together because of Christ not because someone did an awesome program or made you read a book made you feel bad registered for D R I M elemental P whatever else they registered you for politically it's because of God's Word that we come together as the groups he's created in Christ tell somebody in Christ in Christ. Next one, 1 John 2, 11 and 15. We're called to love our brothers and sisters. Actually, that piece of scripture says, now how can you say you love God but then hate your brother? Oh, okay. Oh, so we just praise the Lord. I don't, I don't deal with those people though. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Called to love because he first loved us. Last one, James 2, 1. Show no partiality in your walk of faith. We're not called to show partiality. We're called to accept and receive all. Go read that whole chapter in James. Don't have this thing separated up. Yeah, use wisdom, use discernment where you need to and those types of things. But there's no separation and no division. And don't get all hung up on it. You with me? Don't get hung up on the stuff that the world is trying to push you into. Let it be what it is. And know that you are going by God's principles. Okay? If your table has all white people 
and your heart's right before the Lord, that's fine. Because when a black person comes to your table, you'll be just fine. I don't know Pastor George, but when I came to his table, as in this church here, he was just fine. Here I am standing on the pulpit because he's not feeling that well and wanted me to bring the word. We're doing okay, just fine. I don't need to sit here calculating numbers. Did did he get one more black guy on his team? Man, shut up with all that. If you got a table full of black folk, be, ha- be knowing that you're good when a white person comes over. Don't feel, oh, we don't do we don't do those people. Deal with the ethnic partiality as biblically directed so that we can be aligned with Christ and therefore walk out the beauty of the glorious work he's calling us to. Somebody amen that. All right, this next one can get real heavy, but it's real. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, it's about to get real, real. Two time, real, real. R squared, real, real. Real, real. Sexual immorality, pornography, and abortion. Heavy, heavy, heavy. The sexual revolution that was pushed in our nation, again, I'm dealing with us because we're here. We're here in America right now. The sexual revolution was about leaving God's design at the heart of all sexual immorality. It's about leaving God's design. The, the, the word sexual immorality in the New Covenant is really kind of a catch-all term, and it comes from the Greek word porneia. Sounds familiar. That's where we get our word pornography. It's the Greek word porneia, which means basically any illicit sexual activity outside of order, God's order and design. So when you depart from that biblical sexuality, there's all kinds of garbage that comes up. Fornication, homosexuality, all of the LGBTQ array, adultery, pornography, all of it, all of it is a mess. Who's at the floor of this? Again, we're going to talk about sources. A man by the name of Alfred Kinsey, who was a biologist, and he believed biblical sexuality was harmful. Most of y'all don't even know his name. But Alfred Kinsey was the father, really, of the sexual revolution in, in America. Actually, in our Conquer series material that we use to help men come out of pornography and, and, and walk in, in lives of purity sexually, um, if, you, if you need help with that, email me. We have that ministry going here in our church. In the first session, they discuss Alfred Kinsey because of the perverse influences he had, which pushed this stuff forward in the culture. First session, get it out of the way that he was involved in this. So much so... One of his students, someone who accepted his philosophies and wanted to champion those and cheerlead for them in the culture, was Hugh Hefner, the creator of Playboy magazine. He said out of his own mouth and boasted many times, I will be Kinsey's pamphleteer. A pamphleteer is somebody who takes philosophical and and academic ideas and brings them down to the common man so that they can accept them and, and, and eat them up without knowing all the background ideas. He said that was his goal and his standard. So perverse is this whole thing. His daughter has taken over the empire since his death, and her, a woman, and her statement is, I'm going to take this even further than my dad did. Yeah, nasty, horrible. That's her goal. The, the legacy is that we, no, we're not only going to do what dad did, we're going to do it even more, this perversion and this sinfulness which has been forced into our culture. Let me give you some stats, sobering stats. These are from Covenant Eyes, the browser and service that helps people filter through their, their um, devices and their computers to keep this garbage out that's just being here, left, right, and center. 
Covenant Eyes says this in, this, in these stats that it's researched. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. 43% of senior pastors and youth pastors say they have struggled with pornography in the past. It's hit us. 51% of male students and 32% of female students first viewed pornography before their teenage years. And here's the, here's the one that saddens me in response. Only 7% of pastors report that their church has a ministry program for those struggling with pornography. Praise God, we've got one here. Again, do not hesitate. If you have an issue, you have a struggle, you've got a friend who does, there's a couple of the guys who email me all the time, hey, my friend needs to be in here. And I'm like, amen, praise God, get another one free. Let's get another one out, out of this garbage that the enemy is trying to shackle us with because God has not called us for this foolishness. And listen, unless we get real sloppy and say, well, you know, I don't do that, trust me, the trickle-down effects are into the rest of the culture. Follow five, six random kids from high schools or colleges that you may know. Why is the pictures all sexualized? Yeah. Come on now, I'm jumping in. I told y'all, I gave you fair warning I was going to jump in your lap today. Why are the pictures so sexualized? Why the album covers like, <laughs> you forget explicit lyrics, now explicit album covers. Why, why the show with the rating is stuff that would have been like two more ratings higher. 30 years ago. Whoa, bro, I thought this was PG. I thought this was PG-13. Why? The trickle down of the immorality on top of one and another and another. Why? Because the enemy doesn't care. He just wants you to reject God's ways and do what you feel like. Let's go a little further. I'm going to get it. I'm going to bring the light back up, okay? Abortion. Okay, which is related to all of this. They would love for you to discuss other things politically about abortion. Listen, babies come because there has been sexual intercourse. Okay? If we're unclear about that, there's classes, there's resources. <laughs> if you're uncertain how that happens, I can tell you that. I have six. Okay? <laughs> six kids. So this is the reason because people would like to use abortion as birth control. I know it's hard, man. I know it's hard to say. And you say, oh, God, Pastor Jamie, you're always so cool. And, you know, you're leading worship and stuff. No, I got to bring the truth to you on this stuff. That's the situation that we're facing, okay? And let's tie it back into one of the other areas of ethnic hatred, okay? Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist and a racist. She sat there in her little hat and her trench coat, and she was a straight-up ugly racist. She said we needed to rid ourselves of human weeds. Who did she mean? Many in the non-white races, I'm telling you her words, many in the non-white races, people with disabilities, and for sure people with low IQs. We had to be rid of them so that we could develop more of a solid human race. That was her goal. If you ever drive, driven around town and wonder why every city you go to, the Planned Parenthood is near or in a black or a Latino or a low-income neighborhood, don't wonder why. It was Margie's idea. It's not for equity. It's not because they're increasing access. It's because they want to murder that group of people. And even the people working in the office don't even understand some of this history I'm giving you today. It is the work 
of hell, and it needs to be called out for what it is. Again, the enemy doesn't care about that sweet secretary who thinks she's doing God's work in one of those offices. No, not even the doctor. He just wants his evil accomplished. Last one in that section. I know it's, I already told you all it was going to be heavy in that section, but we're getting into the word on this. Gender identity and transgenderism. We've been told now, oh, this was always around. This was just a thing. John Money was the father of this idea. Most of y'all don't know who John Money was. Who was John Money? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. He was a psychologist and a sexologist that works at Johns Hopkins, and he's considered the father of gender identity. This was not a thing until he created it out of his experiments. What did he use as an experiment? Two twin boys. He performed horrible experiments on two twin boys, the Reimer twins, both of which took their lives because of the trauma of it all. Facts, okay? Facts. Look it up yourself if you want, if you don't believe me, whatever today. Horrible. His goal was the perverting of and the release of any boundaries sexually. In particular, his preference was pedophilia. He was trying to advance that by removing, again, another boundary. Again, the work of hell, which we can get back to God's ways. We can leave that stuff behind. But again, I don't want you unaware of where the stuff comes from. So, wow. Okay, everybody take a deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath. What does God's word say? Take yourself back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. God has clearly outlined and defined our sexuality there and the order for creation at the beginning of it all. Because if we don't accept the beginnings of what God has given us, trust me, you are not going to be on the proper GPS destination and you're going to end up over here somewhere else because you haven't accepted his ways. And what he has for us. And I know this is heavy. And I know we've been reverse discipled so much by culture and the marketing and the social media. And our kids are being pushed this way and that. Listen, do whatever you need to do from your position. Don't become discouraged and hateful. But do what you need to do to understand this. Let's continue to be faithful in God's truth. And let's continue to reach the lost who need to come out of that. Understand that that is what is coming against people is this stuff right here. When you're offering people Jesus, please don't go and offer them. Jesus is just going to come, hand your soda at your football game, and clap for you because he's a life coach. He is going to come to radically revolutionize your life and make you a what? For 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new creation in Christ. He's going to make you a new creation in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.18-20 through 20 says, flee sexual immorality and glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. If it seems like I'm intense about this, I am. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because when a lie is propagated against humanity, and in particular against God's people, we have to be mindful and say, no, 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 let's remind ourselves what God said. Tap your neighbor and say, remember what God said. Tap your other neighbor and say, remember what God said. Every philosophy that begins with a rejection of God will lead to sin and death. Because what I'm about is us saying, man, everything. Lord, I don't get it, but you do. 
You designed all this. You designed me. My Father, I trust that you know better than I do. Help me to come into line with everything you say. Help me to do everything that Jesus said. And to come and, and live in that way. When he said, when I build my house on a firm foundation and on the rock, it's because I've heard your sayings and I've put them into my life in practice. Because I trust that you are Father. Come on, stand with me this morning. Lord, I declare that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Father, this morning I want to pray over anybody who's in a struggle to just say, man, I surrender it all to Jesus. I trust that you know better than I know. Even though I have temptations and challenges and struggles, I know that your way is better. Better than mine. That your mercy, God, is abundant for us. your truth, God, is for all generations. That your Holy Spirit comes to guide us into all of the truth, Lord. We don't even deserve it, God, but you still bring it. So today, Father, I pray over any person who's struggling. Lord, I pray that they would let go. Say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I don't have it figured out. I take all this mess, God. Lead me in your ways. You're our Father. Hands bowed and eyes closed. If this morning you're in a place of one or two things, you need to surrender to Jesus. You've never really truly surrendered your life to him. You need to receive his saving work in your life. I want you to put a hand up. Also, along with that, if you're struggling in an area of your life to let something go that you know is not honoring, is not pleasing to God, throw a hand up. I want to pray for you. Those two groups of people, go ahead. One, two, three, put the hands up, whoever you are. I know there's a few around the room. Yes, yes, I see you all. Just throw a hand up. Father, I thank you for your saving work. I thank you that the work of the cross of Jesus is sufficient for the saving of our souls and that to set us on the course you've called us to. I thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit can come into every life today 
God, not only to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come to you, but then to live in a way that glorifies you, Lord. So I declare every struggle, every sin that people are challenged with today, I thank you that they can turn from it by your grace and be victorious over sin in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that your work is never one that you remove your hand from, but you continue until the day of Jesus Christ. Let it be so, Father. Those who were baptized today, Father, I'm declaring over them an abundance of your grace. The enemy would like to lie to them. The enemy would like to deceive them and distract them and move them this way or that. But I declare today that they are established in Christ on a sure foundation of your lordship, God, and the truth of who you are and the truth of what your word says for every area of our lives. And let us, God, as your people, just absolutely rejoice in your truth and in your ways. I'm gonna change gears a little bit, guys. Um, take me to Kia C, man. Yeah. yeah. We're going to sing this chorus. We sang it last week, but I want us to speak it once again. Firm foundation, if you guys can pull that up. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand when everything around me I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. Come on, tell somebody.
words today. He is your firm foundation and what his word says is true for everything in your life. So man, as we get ready to go in a few minutes, I want you to go out, encouraged, built up, edified, equipped, full of the Spirit of God to do what he's called you to do because there is nothing that will come against who he is in your life. There is nothing that will negate his truth and what he says about you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.